things pop culture so you can talk about it with your friends. I'm Courtney. I'm Shannon. I'm Andrew. And we are here this week to talk to you about Watchmen. Um, yeah, there's an HBO show coming out on that uh, in October, and so we wanted to do a little bit of prep work for that. Yeah, we've got a crowded October, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's stacked October. Um, but before we get into that, let's do some media of the week. So, uh, Shannon, tell us about what you've been reading or watching or listening to this week. Oh, no. I didn't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, did our recurring segment pop up on you? Yeah. <laughs> um... I watched the Emmys. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. You've probably, probably been on a high of that. So yeah, time. kind of. Yeah, Which is funny because I normally hate the Emmys and <laughs> think that they're sort of garbage. Um, the best part of that was Courtney texting me and making sure I was still alive after Phoebe Waller-Bridge won. Uh, that was really good. A lot of great memes came out of that Emmys. Yep. Oh, like the Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Like, you've seen the picture of her, right? Where she's got, she's like holding her Emmys and smoking like on a chair. No. She's just kind of sitting there like holding her Emmys. It's so good. And then there was the Jason Bateman yeah, face the Jason when, Bateman when he won uh, for leading actor, and all the people around him are ah, freaking out. There was some meme about like whenever announcing your life is super encouraging and you're just depressed. <laughs> like yeah, that's my mood most of the time. So I related hardcore. Yeah, I saw I saw one that was like when your coworkers are, are excited for you just because you did. Your your job or something like that. Yeah. I also love the meme of, uh, oh, what's her name? Like, her weird clap. Oh, Nicole Kidman. She got replaced by somebody. Yeah, it was was the girl from Russian Doll. Oh, Natasha Natasha Leone. Leone. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, doing her like. And so many glasses, too. She had glasses and Zendaya looked like bomb in her glasses. I love her. Anyway. I should also say, too, this week I'm going to start reading, um, a sequel came out to the book Carry On, and I'm really jazzed about it. It's the book I've been waiting for all year, and yeah. Nice. So Sweet. How about you, Andrew? <laughs> I got my hands on Untitled Goose Game, yeah. um, which is we a new game. We spent all last night playing that. Which is a new game that came out on the Switch. what that means. Oh, <laughs> it, came out, it came out on Switch and uh, the Epic Game Store last weekend, and it is... An, an endlessly charming game. It's it's like a really short little game, and you're just a goose. And in a small in a small English and village. And you have like you have like <laughs> tasks that you have to do, like steal the groundskeeper's keys. You're just supposed to or knock yeah. somebody over. <laughs> like basically, you're just a massive jerk to everybody. You just you just go around right. ruining, ruining everyone's day. It's so like, like a game I could handle. Oh yeah. my gosh, it is. But the thing and is, it's the hilarious. art <laughs> the art style is so charming. It's very very simple to play. But just hours of entertainment come out of it. It's only fifteen bucks right now. I think in the it's usually twenty, but they knock five bucks off it or something like that. But it is unbelievably charming. You just run around as a goose. You can there's a dedicated honk button, so you can just (laughs) constantly honk at people. Uh, Just yeah, it's fantastic. I like the kind of games where you can just destroy everything. (laughs) Oh, then yeah, it's this game. Is it Simpsons Hit and Run or something like that? I don't know if that's the exact name of it, but. It's like, you just crash into things, and that's yeah. the kind of game I can get behind. Yeah, it was, it <laughs> it's was, a lot easier. It was Grand Theft Auto, but if auto was spelled O-T-T-O. Uh, so. Um, yeah, so for me, I have been... So I've been reading a lot. I've been reading the His Dark Materials trilogy. I am just started on the second book. Um, so yeah, in preparation for our podcast next week. Sneak peek. Sneak peek. Mm-hmm. What, what? 
I've uh, been doing that, and uh, we started watching the second season of Disenchantment on oh, yes. Netflix. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I think we've talked about that before. It's Matt Groening's uh, like fantasy yeah. show. So. Have you guys liked it? I yeah. started the first season, and I don't think I ever finished it. The, yeah, the thing is, too. it was certainly marketed as like, oh, the creator of Futurama and The Simpsons is like now taking a twist. uproariously funny. Yeah, it's gonna it's his twist on on like medieval times, but it's there. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's got funny mm-hmm. stuff, but it's much more serious than that. Yeah, um, I think, but. There's some still some really fun, funny moments. still some pretty funny moments in there. So it's not start to finish just constantly laughing, but there's a lot of sight gags, mm-hmm. um, some funny characters and stuff like that. So Yeah. Cool. Check it out. Yeah. All right. So let's get into Watchmen. All right. Should we do first Watchmen. exposures? Sure. If okay. I, if I guess. My first, <laughs> my first exposure to Watchmen was probably... Either late high school or early college, and like all of the really nerdy people that I knew were kind of freaking out about it. But it seemed too dark for me, and so I didn't watch it or read it or anything until like a week ago. Because <laughs> the movie came out in 2009, so that's probably when, mm-hmm. yeah, everybody would have freaked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat that. I was like, oh, this seems really dark and violent, which is funny because I like a lot of dark and violent things now. But, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful we do this podcast because sometimes mm-hmm. it forces me to read and watch things that I've been meaning to and have held off on. But the, um, I don't know, I, the smiley face with the blood dripping down, I think, yeah. was like, that's the image I always have in my mind. And I was so relieved to read this, and we'll start reading it and watch it so that I finally know what that means. <laughs> so. Yes. Yep. Um, I remember my first exposure to Watchmen was, I was watching this, <laughs> gosh, how old was I? I was still living in Arizona, so I'm, I was younger than like 17, and I was watching this uh, series on the History Channel that was like, like the history of comic books, and they had like Stan Lee on to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, and like... Mm-hmm. This thing was about, like, landmark comics throughout the, like, the history of them. And I was folding laundry at the time. I don't know why I remember I was folding laundry. It's just a very important part of that memory, I suppose. Um, but I was on the couch. I was all by myself. Like, nobody else was home. And I was folding laundry. <laughs> I was, like, 14 years old. I, knew, I totally knew how to party. Um, and I remember just watching it. And it was like, oh, it's the birth of the Fantastic Four. And, like, here's Spider-Man. And here's the time that Spider-Man dealt with drugs. And here's the time that Superman is doing this. And then it was like, and now it's Watchmen. And it was like, <laughs> and then they were like, they were like, oh yeah, it dealt with like impotence. And it dealt with, uh, you know, like social issues. And then all these people got murdered and they put up a bunch of like panels of like all the people that are killed in New York. And I was like, oh, okay then. That's that, I guess. And then I like... I want to say I came across it, and I read a few. I read a couple chapters when I was in high school, and then I read the whole thing a couple years ago. But that was that was I had I hadn't seen the movie until like last week. Until we watched it together. <laughs> yes, but yep. I had read it, but it's been several years, and I I was trying to read it in preparation for this. And I didn't get my hands on a copy, so it's going to be seven year old reminiscences and Wikipedia fill-ins <laughs> for me. Um, but it is widely regarded as uh, one of the best comic books of all time. Graphic novels. <sighs> well, okay, I have a question about <laughs> that. Do that every time. Because it was released 
though, is comic books, was it not? So why do we consider it a graphic novel? Because uh, the whole thing's taken as a whole, and they're split up into chapters rather than, like, serialized. Like, okay. And it was a limited-run series is the other thing. Like, Spider-Man's yeah. continuously going, so if you were to novelize right. Spider-Man, it would be the longest novel ever written. So, right. like, this is a very self-contained... There are spin-offs, like there are for all comics, but, like, the main canon of Watchmen has stayed pretty much the same. Well, um, and I, I also feel like... And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like graphic novels usually deal with heavier, like, more complicated themes than a lot of comic books do. Comic books are... Well, like, were an original... And, uh, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. But comic books were designed to spread out the plot in a way that was, like, long-running, so that way you kept coming back and buying the next issue. Um, and graphic novels are a lot more compact um, and deal with, like, really heavy, complicated philosophical themes a lot of the time. So, like, for instance, if you compare, like, a Spider-Man comic or a Ms. Marvel comic to, like, V for Vendetta. Like, right. V for Vendetta deals with, like, anarchy and, like, the role of the government in society and, like, these really kind of philosophical heavy themes. Um, and Watchmen... And Guy when, Fox. Right. And yeah. <laughs> Watchmen, when you compare, like, to a comic book versus something like V for Vendetta, it's much closer to V for Vendetta. So that would, that would be my reasoning there. I think... In the time, that's true. I don't know. I just finished a graphic novel this week that is like a romance oh, between yeah. two, oh. na- two teenagers working at a pumpkin patch. Like, uh, I think that's really that's shifted a lot now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but of that time, yeah, I, that's very true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was only a 12-issue series, so like, and then yeah. Alan Moore keeps very, like, heavy control over the characters in print. He, yeah. uh, he hates the movie. But he hates a lot of things. He's got some ideas about stuff that yeah. we're nearly not going to get into here. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's very contained. It's also uh, it was recognized in Time Magazine's list of the 100 best novels as one of the best English novels published since 1923. Um, and then nice. uh, also uh, it, it's been described as the moment comic books grew up. So, like, kind of from the... I think I think Vivi Vendetta was published after this, and mm-hmm. so it was The Dark Knight Returns, and a lot of those kind of landmark comics that it's like, oh yeah, this is where we take. It's like Watchmen kind of planted its flag. I mean, weird stuff had happened in comics before, mm-hmm. and there had been like, like I said, Spider Man helped Harry Osborn not OD on something once, but like, this was kind <laughs> of the this is kind of a very seminal moment for for graphic novels and comic books and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, originally, um, Alan Moore wanted to use characters acquired uh, from Charlton Comics, um, which was a line of comics that DC had just acquired, um, and so he wanted to use those, but then he was convinced to make, create original superheroes, and so all the, well, I say superheroes, we'll get to that in a sec, but basically, <laughs> all of the characters in this are variants of Charlton Comics characters, but they also are analogous to many mainstream characters. Um, so the main characters from Watchmen are um, Adrian Veet, who's known as Ozymandias. Um, he is based on Peter Cannon Thunderbolt uh, from DC Comics. Um, and everybody knows who that is, so I don't need to go into that anymore. Uh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, he's a, very, he's a very minimal DC Comics character who um, learned how to focus his mind with like ancient 
talismans and all this kind of stuff. And so he was able to kind of physically be like one of the like most fit, best, strongest men in the world by honing his mind type of thing. Um, uh, Dan- Daniel Dryberg, who is the second Night Owl, we'll do that in a second. He's kind of he's kind of based on the Blue Beetle, um, who's like gadget based um, superhero type of thing. Um, Blue Beetle, I do believe, is getting um, a series. Um, oh shoot, I can't remember who he's always paired up with. It's Blue Beetle and Golden. Um, I'm typing it wrong. <laughs> oh, Booster Gold. That's right. Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Um, there's been talks about a series involving them on the DC app with like Nathan Fillion as uh, mm. Booster Gold, I think. Mm. Nice. Um, and then Edward Blake is the comedian. Um, he uh, <laughs> So this one says that he's based on Peacemaker, who's the Charlton Comics character, Peacemaker. Um, with elements of Nick Fury thrown in there. When I saw it, it kind of reminded me of Captain America a little bit. He reminded me more of Tony Stark. Well, the reason but... I say Captain America is because he like worked with the government and like taking down regimes and all this kind of stuff. He has the the um, arm, the pauldrons that he has yeah, are the like the star and, the and then the red and white stripe. So. Is Peacemaker an ironic name? Because the comedian's <laughs> well, here's not the thing. Well, the thing, the, thing about, the thing about the Watchmen characters is they're all <laughs> basically... Like the anti version. Yeah, if this person was a butthole. So, like, <laughs> so like yeah, it's, if Captain America was actually, like, a psychopath type of thing. Yeah. Um, Dr. Joel Osterman is Dr. Manhattan, who is the only uh, super-powered uh, Watchmen or Minutemen, because they were the precursors of the Watchmen. We'll get to that. But um, he's the only superpowered one. None of the other people in the Watchmen have superpowers. Um, and then, see, so this big blue guy. We'll, yeah, we'll get to the movie. Okay, so just a sec. Um, and then there was Lori Yuspzik, who's also, uh, whose name was changed to Jupiter by her mother, who's the second Silk Spectre. Um, she was based on Nightshade from Charlton Comics. Uh, but then started to draw from Black Canary and Phantom Lady from DC. Uh, Black Canary, uh, most recently in the Arrowverse, um, in the uh, Legends of Tomorrow TV show currently running right now. And then Rorschach, um, who was Walter jo- Joseph Kovacs, um, who, <laughs> again, is essentially just Batman if he were completely nuts. <laughs> like, like more nuts than usual. Yeah, I mean, Batman's pretty nuts, but basically... If, so, Batman is the 1%, Rorschach is the Batman of the 99%, I think is... Yeah. Um, How does his mask work? I don't know. I don't know that it's actually ever explained. Like Because if none of the rest of them have superpowers, I was curious about that. Yeah, I don't... I don't actually know, and I don't. I don't remember. I don't think if it, it explains. I don't think it does. It, but the but like the idea. The thing is, the film is. I think in the comic book it changes, but that's the whole point: is that it's a Rorschach test on his face, right. and so people see what they. I think. Uh, so I think the audience is supposed to, to be seeing like different images in his mask, and then the movie just kind of always had it changing. Right. And it was like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like, oh, how would you fool with that on there? So, like, um, yeah, so those are the main Watchmen characters. And then there was also uh, the Minutemen, who were a precursor uh, to uh, Watchmen, which included um, Dr. Hood, 
I'm going off memory on this because I don't have a list in front of me. Um, the comedian was in that one as well. Um, uh, oh, there was one that was like oh, Dollar Bill, the first Spectre, the first night, uh, the first night owl. Um, shoot, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look it up. <laughs> um, names? No, not the Massachusetts Minutemen. The, uh, and it's Hooded Justice. Right? Hooded Justice, that's right. Um, the creepy Undertaker-looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Hooded neck. Justice, yeah. Night Owl, Silhouette, Dollar Bill, The mm. Comedian, Mothman, Sally Jupiter, and Captain Metropolis. That was who it was. Um, so that was the... And then, so the first Night Owl um, uh, was Hollis Mason, um, who uh, the new Night Owl... Uh, Dan Dryberg has a relationship with like he's kind of a mentor figure type of thing um, and then also the second Silk Spectre is the daughter of, or is the daughter of Sally Jupiter uh, who was the first Silk Spectre and then the comedian is uh, was in both iterations in the comic he was 16 when he joined the Minutemen which when you dive into the plot and it turns out that he tried to rape the first Silk Spectre at like 16 it's probably not cool, but there's a lot in this. Well, it not, doesn't really matter really cool. how old he is; it's not cool. But well, no, but like, I agree with that. But it's also like, oh, he was okay, Super great. Disturbing. He's he's just an all around bad he's guy. He's still a child, and he's yes. already doing. That. So, um, yeah, it, it picks up the very like the very first thing that we see is that smiley face with the blood mark on it. We get Rorschach kind of narrating it, uh, narrating the comic, talking about how. Um, the city is diseased, and there's so many people sinning. All this kind of he's like he he talks a lot about how the world is sick and bad and wrong, and talks about like horrors and all this kind of stuff. But he's not religious in any way. And we should say at this point too that like the the movie and the graphic novel both kind of follow the same plot. Like a lot of these are beat for yes. beat what you find in both. So. Mm-hmm. I assume that we're going to talk about like we'll talk about the differences, like okay. Rorschach's weird we mask. Should. Talk about the movie too later. Oh yes, oh yeah. Get yeah. our feelings. Yeah, yes, um, we definitely should. Cause cause I've I got have, some. I have some too. It's, it starts off the uh, the comedian has been murdered. Um, he, he's just a man who was murdered. Rorschach goes to investigate, and then he discovers that he was the comedian. And so uh, Rorschach goes to um, the second night owl. Uh, turns out that all the superheroes have been forced into retirement because of the Keen Act. Um, Richard, Ni- this is an alternate universe, so Richard Nixon has been president, like, three or four times at this point, mm-hmm. I, th- I want to say. It's like the um, mid-80s and he's still president, so. Yeah, Watergate it was never, uh, nobody ever found out about Watergate, and he keeps getting elected. Uh, currently president in 1985, I think, is when this is set. Right? Sure. <laughs> uh, wow, I'm really struggling with the, anyway, um, so, yeah, uh, this man was murdered, Rorschach discovers the comedian, and he goes to warn uh, Dan Dryberg uh, that Rorschach believes that there is somebody killing superheroes. Um, and so he warns, um, he warns the second Night Owl, and then he goes to warn Adrian Veet, who is Ozymandias. Uh, Ozymandias turned in, he stopped being a hero before the Keen Act, but he's known as the world's smartest man, and also... Um, has he like released his identity to the world and made a bunch of money merchandising a bunch of Ozymandias stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he's super rich, super smart, and he owns 
uh, Veet Industries, which is like Stark Industries, I guess. <laughs> um, and then after uh, after he warns Adrian Veet, he goes off and talks to Doctor Manhattan and uh, Silk Spectre, uh, Laurie Jupiter, or I'm not going to be able to say her Polish name. Sorry, um, and to warn them. But Doctor Ju- Doctor Manhattan is invulnerable. Like, impossible to kill, but Rorschach goes and tells him anyway. Um, Dr. Manhattan has a grab bag of superpowers. Um, it's, <laughs> it's matter manipulation, I think is what it is. And so he's able to grow to immense size, shrink down, telekinesis, teleportation. Multiple versions of himself. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. He's blue and often naked. I feel like that's Very important. often. <laughs> you know, somebody had to animate that. Like, someone yes. had to... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Is he often naked in the graphic novel, or is that yes. just a movie thing? Mm, but they're... You see his they, butt most of exactly, the time, Exactly. They don't often show the front yeah. of him. Thanks, yeah. Zack Snyder. It's mostly the back. Um, <laughs> the, the film. Or he, wears that, or he wears that black thong, like, a lot of <laughs> Which times. Which is... Okay, that's beside the point. <laughs> and he he and Lori are a thing, a thing, which I also have questions about, but I'll ignore them. Uh, yeah, so so Lori, the second Silk Spectre, and Dr. Manhattan are a couple. Um, she is feeling uh, emotionally ignored by Dr. Manhattan. Um, like, cut off and all this kind of stuff, distant. So she goes to go out to dinner with Dan Dryberg. They reminisce about um, superhero lives and all this kind of stuff and and everything, and there's kind of a budding romance there. Um, so then, uh, after they go to Edward's, Edward Blake's funeral, it comes out that he was a comedian. Um, Manhattan, Dr. Manhattan's kind of, he's accused of giving cancer to a bunch of his colleagues. Um former friends and colleagues stuff, his former girlfriend, uh, the, fe- the fellow scientist he was uh, working with. Um, and so he gets the heck out to Mars. And the main conceit of this is that Dr. Manhattan has basically been the ultimate deterrent to the Soviet Union um, for any hostilities or anything like that. The U.S. has had Dr. Manhattan. They've also been creating weapons. But they have him, and it's like, oh yeah, he'll protect us. And so he goes off to Mars, so the government starts to freak out that the Russians will attack because they no longer have their ultimate deterrent. Um, this is also after Lori has left him because mm-hmm. he's made like a separate version of himself to sleep with her so he doesn't <laughs> get distracted from his work, yes. which is the nail in the coffin for her. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, she she gets that out. She decides to go and stay with um, Dan, uh, the second night owl. Um, and so, uh, after that, um, Rorschach, uh, or first, someone tries to kill Adrian Veet. Um, there's an assassination attempt that he narrowly escapes. Um, and then there's also, uh, there's a former villain known as Moloch, um, who Rorschach has been interrogating, uh, to try to figure out, you know, what's been going on. And he finds out that the comedian came and talked to him at one point, kind of, the comedian had kind of figured out what was going, like the whole overarching plot of the, the novel, I guess, and he kind of, he broke down and uh, like a week before he was murdered went and saw this former villain and kind of talked to him because he was his only friend. Because again, the comedian's a bad guy. 
Uh, I probably didn't have a lot of friends. Um, but that uh, that supervillain is murdered, and Rorschach is framed for the murder. Um, and so he is now in custody. I don't... Did that actually happen in the graphic novel, or is that just the movie? I think that was... I think that was that actually happened in the graphic novel as well. I don't... I don't remember. <laughs> um, anyway, um, <clears throat> Laurie and Dan... Um, start a romance and then um, they decide to uh, costume up and go fight some uh, bad guys again and they kind of resume vigilante work and they grow closer and closer Um, and so helping him overcome his impotence hooray (laughs) thanks for letting us know that Patrick Wilson was struggling with that no, not Patrick Wilson. I'm just kidding. Courtney doesn't like Patrick Wilson very much, so... Oh, that makes me sad. It's not him. It's... I hate I was pretty much every character him. he ever plays. Oh, I was Even Raul? Big time. Especially Raul. Oh! <laughs> Courtney! We're going to need Sorry. to talk about this later. Um, we have to work through some things. Do we need to talk about... Dr. Manhattan's backstory too is that Oh yeah so he's I feel like yeah. that's important. Yeah. He was just he was a he was just a guy. He was a phys, uh, physicist question mark. Well his father was a watchmaker and was training right. him to also be a watchmaker. But then oh I can't remember what happened. They they invented the atomic bomber. There was something in the news and he said, well, history's moving this way. You shouldn't be building watches. You should be working on nuclear power. Mm-hmm. I'm great with science. Nuclear watches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so, so he, he picks that up. <laughs> and yeah, so, so he's a scientist and he uh, gets caught in an intrinsic field subtractor. That's actually the word. That doesn't mean anything. Totally. Um, science. Those are just words that are science, science. You know, put into a spinner, and yep, that's it. Uh, and that's what gives him his power. So he used to be a human. He had a girlfriend, all that kind of stuff, and then he got turned into a big naked blue man. Um, and that part's kind of terrifying matter. too, especially in the graphic novel because yeah. he disappears and they mm-hmm. hold a funeral for him, and no one knows what's happened. But then. Like his spine and nervous system pop up one day for a few seconds and it's gone, and then it's like all of his muscles pop up one day and it's gone. <laughs> that would be horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then he he's back with power over matter and um, also a waning interest in humanity because he can also see the past, the future, and the present all as kind of one thing. Um, I mean, but only his past and present and future. Good, good point. And he can't, like, he's, there's a certain point in the future that he can't see past um, due to increased tachyon uh, uh, activity, which he believes is the U.S. and the Soviets going to war and nuking each other. That's what he believes, um, because he can't see past it. Um, So, there's just a lot. Like, (laughs) I was like, that is important. We should talk about that. (laughs) And that's the thing in the movie. It's a little, if you haven't read it, like I started reading it and then watched the movie, it's hard to follow all the different timelines because it keeps skipping. I mean, you referenced, too, with uh, Sally Juniper, how... Um, the comedian attempts to rape her, and then maybe that's jumping ahead of the story a little bit, but uh, that's happened in the past, and they show that early on. Right. 
but it's kind yeah, of clear that Sally things. always had maybe a little bit of a thing for the comedian. She <laughs> talks about him fondly, even though that happened. Mm-hmm. And and her daughter even knows that like he tried to rape her and doesn't like her, but she's like, oh, go easy on him. Like... It was a different time. Well, not not just it was a different time, but she says like the future is so full of darkness that the past starts to glimmer brighter and brighter. And I was like, oh, that's so sad. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. So yeah, uh, Rorschach is in prison for the death of Moloch. He's got a lot of enemies in prison because he put a lot of people in there. Um, there is a massive riot, and then um, Night Owl and Silk Spectre decide to go break him out. Um, and they they bust him out of prison. Um, uh, oh boy, there's so much going on. <laughs> there's so much going on. Um, and then they get back to Night Owl's owl cave, I guess. I guess. <laughs> um, and Doctor Manhattan's there, sort of. Part of him is, and he takes um, Laurie to Mars. Lets her choke for a little bit, which is kind of a kind of a. Pardon the expression, dick move. Um, but uh, he he basically leaves the fate of humanity in her hands. Kind of like if you like, you're the only human that I had any kind of connection to. Um, so if I can't connect to you, what the heck? Like, who even cares? And so they kind of they have this argument on Mars. Um, as one does. Of course you would. <laughs> Dr. Manhattan's building this whole, like, big palace solid fortress of solitude type of thing for, I don't know, he said he was going to create life later. I don't know. Who the heck knows with that guy? <laughs> um, and uh, while they're building it and arguing, and while he's building it and arguing with Laurie, Laurie kind of has to come to, the ter- come to the terms with the fact that um, she's now figured out that the comedian was her father. Um, so he attempted to rape Sally Jupiter, and then um, she fought him off, and then also was helped out by other members of the Minutemen, and then um, she also then went back and consensually this time uh, had an affair with uh, with the comedian, and then was it just once? Because the her dad, yeah. the husband, was like it was just it was one time or whatever. And she she said it was one time. That's right. And her whole thing is interesting too, because she was the one of them that had an agent <laughs> at the oh, beginning yeah. when she started. And that's who she ended up marrying <laughs> was right. her agent. Um, and yeah, so she so Laurie has to come to the realization that the comedian is her father, and so that kind of. The emotional, all the all the things going on in Laurie's head are what convinces Doctor Manhattan that humanity is worth it. There's, you know, there's, uh, there's complexity of relationships and all this kind of stuff. So he's kind of interested in humankind again. Um, and so Night Owl and Rorschach, while Laurie is on Mars, continue to investigate. They go and investigate. Um, Adrian Veet's um, company, they think... Rorschach definitely believes that Veet is kind of behind this, these killings of the superheroes. And when they go, they actually find out that he is, in fact, behind the conspiracies of... So he hired someone to come and attempt to shoot him in order to like remove suspicion from himself. 
Um, and so they decide to go to Antarctica, where um, Adrian has been building this uh, new energy machine with Dr. Manhattan's help. Um, and so Rorschach and Night Owl head that direction. And in the movie, Night Owl has like the cute silver, like Arctic Night Owl get up. <laughs> that's We're like, like oh, look at his cute. It reminded me of it reminded me of Batman and Robin when they had the silver accents on all their ice gear. Um, <laughs> yes, we've argued about that before. <laughs> um, uh, but they they head to Antarctica to confront Veet. Um, and Rorschach, before he leaves, he's been journaling this whole thing and um, writes everything. And he leaves his journal uh, in this like super alt right like uh, it's basically the da- the no I was gonna say the Daily Bugle, but that's what <laughs> Infowars. That's it. I was like, what is it the Daily Bugle's making fun of in the news? Because they they just released that video. I don't know if you guys saw that today. Um, they had J.K. Simmons being J. Jonah Jameson in oh, like a no. video that they released, and there's like a Daily Bugle.net that exists now. Oh. Um, so like, yeah, kind of guerrilla marketing type of stuff. Um, anyhow, it's like this all right newspaper, and Rorschach leaves his journal there because he's like, I'm gonna go and die because I probably will. Um, so yeah, they get there to uh, Adrian Veet, and it turns out that he has been planning to, because uh, the U.S. and the Soviets have been marching closer and closer and closer to, to war, so he is orchestrating, um, you know, this is what it is in the graphic novel, an alien invasion. Um, and in New York, there's a giant space squid who kills a whole bunch of people in New York. Like, I think it's like three-fourths of the population of New York or something like that is killed by this big space thing that his company has uh, or biologically engineered, which also explains the weird tiger. Um, yeah, which just shows up. In which the just movie. shows up in the movie. No Courtney was just. I was like, what is that? <laughs> Courtney was just screaming, "What is that?" <laughs> At the screen when it showed up, what and is I was it? like, "Why is it there?" I was like, "Oh, I get it now." Um, but yeah, so it, um, and so he has planned this to kind of get the nations of the world. To put aside their differences, otherwise, you know, humanity would destroy itself. So they're like, so he wound up killing a whole bunch of people in New York in order to save humanity. Um, in the movie, it is uh, doctor. They had they use the same energy signal as Doctor Manhattan to murder people all over the globe, not just in New York. Um, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but basically, his thinking is like. We're going to kill millions of people, but we're going to save billions. His company has also been researching tachyon energy, and they've been kind of amassing it in order to block Dr. Manhattan's visions of the future. Um, so he couldn't see past that. So he assumed it was nuclear war, but it was actually uh, Adrian who had been screwing with him behind his back. Um, so Dr. Manhattan and Laurie come back on Earth, and uh, they arrive in New York, and there's a big old squid alien um and it's dead and so he uh he they figure out it's adrian they go and talk to him and so then he shows them all these news broadcasts of the ussr and the u.s coming together and nixon's like we're gonna have a new era of peace and all this kind of stuff and so dr manhattan agrees with the reasoning he doesn't take a side saying you should have done this or you shouldn't have, but he goes, okay, I get it. And he kind of removes himself from the situation, I guess, like philosophically. Um, and uh, Laurie and 
uh, Dan are not happy about it. Um, but they have no choice because Adrian's better than them at everything. <laughs> um, in in the movie, at least, I really liked that. So he's explaining his whole plan. And they mm-hmm. s- say something like, oh, we're going to stop you. Or like, you know, now that you've told us. And he said, did you really think I would have told you this entire plan if you could you stop me it? at this point? Like, it's already emotion. Yeah. And I love that that's such a trope of comic books. Yes. To be like, I'm going to tell you my whole diabolical plan. And then mm-hmm. now and they then, have the power to stop it. And Batman but... pulls out shark repellent and then he's able yep. to. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so that was clever. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really good. So, yeah. And then, um, so in the co- in the, uh, the graphic novel, I'm going to third down into that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Manhattan just like buggers off. I don't remember if he. Like, I guess Vita isn't killed because he's going to be in this new series. Um, but uh, he kind of takes charge. He also helps take charge on like rebuilding and all this kind of stuff. But Doctor Manhattan goes to another universe, um, and then Dan and Laurie go into hiding under new identities, and they continue to see each other and all this kind of stuff. Um, Rorschach. Um, as he's like, I have to go tell everybody that you killed millions of people because that's of course that's classic Rorschach. Um, but uh, man, Doctor Manhattan is like, hey, don't do that. And he's like, all right, you're gonna have to kill me to stop me. And Doctor Manhattan does; he vaporizes him. Uh, mm-hmm. So Rorschach is dead. Um, and so I, I guess it's probably after this that Dan's like, okay. I'll go along with this just because I don't want to turn into a blood spot on the snow. Um, and so, yeah, he and Laurie leave as well. So then it's back in New York. Things are peaceful and all this kind of stuff. And so the new frontiersman doesn't have any, doesn't have enough material. So they go to the quote unquote crank file, which is just like weird stuff. And that's where Rorschach's journal is sitting. And that's where the graphic novel ends is with, the guy grabbing Rorschach's journal. And so and the whole time I I was thinking, oh, this is kind of cheesy thing of like Rorschach's journal. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Like he talks in his deep scratchy voice <laughs> and is doing this uh voiceover and I'm like, uh-huh. what is the point? And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. He he had to be like narrating what he wrote so you knew what was in it later when he drops yeah. it off at the newspaper. It all came together. <laughs> yep. They were smarter than me. Yeah. I wouldn't say that shit. Well, I mean, Alan Moore wrote it and he he knows how to tell a story. He knows how to tell a yeah, story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you're smarter than Zack Snyder. <laughs> Don't tell well, never, thank you. <laughs> never sell yourself short on that regard. Alan Moore, the whole brilliant storyteller in this. Um, I will give him credit. <laughs> yeah, so that's where the graphic novel ends. Um, and yeah, the movie's pretty dang close to it. Like, even dialogue-wise. It's very, very similar. So that's what I was going to (laughs) say is that people, I mean, you hear all the time, especially like Courtney and I are both English majors. It's always Mm -hmm. book is better than the movie. And people complain about every movie adaptation that comes out. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that people do not accept like a good movie adaptation is not completely faithful to the book. They're right. different mediums. It, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. so you need to translate it into that form. Yeah. And so this one is so close. <laughs> there are parts of it that in the uh, 
graphic novel are pretty moving, but when they say it verbatim in the movie, it comes off wrong. Yeah, well, and, cheesy. and yeah. we were ta- we were talking about this with a graphic novel, and the, and Watchmen was a nine panel layout, so it had, you know, it had nine essentially equal sized panels on each page, and at the end of each page would have some kind of hook to get you to turn the next page, some like a quip or something. But with as a uh, scene in a movie, it you can, can't have that many cliffhangers in a dialogue. Not cliffhangers necessarily, <laughs> but like hooks. So yeah. like, Rorschach will say something. It's like, "Well, you quit," and it's like perfect way to be like, "Ooh, got him!" But then like the scene will keep going, and it's like, "Oh, I guess we're still here." Like, it, it's easy to kind of cut it off with a with a novel, but it's really difficult to have that. Uh, kind of put on screen. Well, and going back to what we were saying earlier about graphic novels often addressing really deep themes and having elevated vocabulary, I mean, that definitely comes across in the dialogue of both the the graphic novel and the movie Watchmen. But that kind of dialogue, like, when you're reading it, it works, especially mm-hmm. in a graphic novel format because you get context, context clues from, like, the panel. But then you also can, like, if there's a word you don't completely understand, like, you can read at your own pace and you can find meaning as you go. And if you want to, you, you can even stop and kind of be like, okay, what exactly does that mean? And, like, th- ponder it before you move on. In a movie, it's just bam, 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 bam. And it just comes across as, like, I can't really understand what they're saying, so I'm just going to ignore it and be like, oh yeah, deep, deep stuff, you know? And it, it loses a lot of the the punch, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a line they keep talking about in the graphic novel is when Dr. Manhattan appears, they say, oh, what is the like, he, we have the new Superman, or like the actual Superman, and he's American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this, you have to think a lot about how, this, they don't know who Dr. Manhattan is, and he's so dangerous, mm-hmm. but the United States is okay with having mm-hmm. him because they believe he's American, and oh, he can't hurt us because he's yeah. one of us. Um, anyway, so you have to grapple with like what that means and how we fear what we believe to be different than yes. us, and it goes a level deeper, but you're right. Like yeah. In the film, it's hard to grapple with all that. Yeah. Well, in the graphic novel, like the whole point is like Alan Moore hates Superman, and so it was kind of talking about... like. Us, you know, what is the need point of a Superman? All this kind of stuff. It was kind of meant to like deconstruct the whole idea of heroes and society and all this kind of stuff. And so it's like, yeah, the whole time it is like, oh boy, Doctor Manhattan's here, he's going to save us. But most of the film was focused more on the noir aspect of it, mm-hmm. like, oh, there's a mystery and Rorschach's here and he's going to crack the case and all this kind of stuff, as opposed to like tackling like. No, Dr. Manhattan, like, is all-powerful and nobody has any idea how to stop him. But we're okay with harnessing that kind of power if it means the, the, the Americans. The yeah. So, like, there's so much of that that's lost in the film adaptation, which is the real meat and potatoes of a lot of the themes behind the behind the graphic novel that it, it's frustrating. Yeah, it... Okay, Having never read the graphic novel, even after watching the movie, I was like, 
I feel like that was a surface level interpretation of the themes of the graphic novel. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just kind of sitting there going, like, I feel like this is too simplistic. And, okay, it followed a lot. This is why I don't like Zack Snyder, guys. <laughs> Zack Snyder, his movies start off really promising. Like, watching Watchmen, I kind of went into it thinking, like, I hate Zack Snyder. I'm probably not going to enjoy this movie. Um, and, like, the first fight scene, I was just like, that was stunning. Yeah, she, she loved she, that. Yeah, she turned to me, she and was like, that was it's awesome. stunning, but it also takes away... It does not start that way in the graphic novel. It yeah. starts with the detectives looking at the murder, so you don't yeah. know that someone killed the comedian. <laughs> the movie takes that away from you. Yeah. It's like, oh, That's well, true. someone is there killing him. Yes. The mystery is gone. Yes. Yeah, because there's, there's like, a little bit like, did he kill himself? Like, what? Yeah. What's like, there's a little bit, yeah. And then it's, yeah. but it is like, oh, no, he got thrown out of a window. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and, like, the other thing is that, like, I... I the beginning of the movie, I was like, I'm actually really enjoying this. I remember at at the funeral when they were, it was the Hello Darkness, my old friend. I was in this one like, this soundtrack is like so great. I am really it enjoying also- this movie. <laughs> and then, and then by the end, I was just like. This is so self-indulgent. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Well, we also watched the director's cut, which That's isn't, true. which is like, <laughs> which is like twenty minutes that. longer. That's true, and it had the it's, weird tiger thing that made no sense. But there's also the ultimate <laughs> cut, which is even longer, which yeah, we didn't boy. watch. At around the two-hour mark, I was like, "Can you pause it just to see how much longer there is?" And I was like, "Another hour? <laughs> Are you kidding me?" Um, I like some of the music choices that were a little on the nose. They were definitely on the nose. So Dr. Manhattan um, is, so he stops the Vietnam War by killing all these Vietnamese people, right? He and the comedian, but it's basically just Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, but so when he kind of comes up over the horizon and starts playing right at the Valkyries, which is Apocalypse Now. Yes. And I'm like... Okay, I get it, but like we all know that that's that's a little, yeah. <laughs> a little too, yeah. yeah. But yeah, by the end of the movie though, I was just going like, I'm just this is so I can't I can't put my finger on it, but I'm not liking this. And then afterward, I remember being like, you know what? If I if I think about it and I like read into the plot and like the themes that were in the movie. Again, not having read the graphic novel. I was like, this is a really fascinating look at, like, what is the role of a hero? Is the role to correct the ills of society? Or is the role of a hero to, um, like, avenge, like, or to hold people responsible for the ills of society? And, like, and trust them to then make the changes to improve society. And that was the whole setup between Vite and, um, and Rorschach. And... After I thought about it, I was like, that's really fascinating. The interpretation of Zack Snyder in the film did not do that justice. (laughs) So, yeah. And Dr. Manhattan, too. I don't think this isn't um, covered as much in the film, but he... So the first... No, is it... The first Night Owl retires to run, like, an Mm -hmm. auto shop, and they're talking, and Dr. Manhattan says... Well, now, because, it, like, before we couldn't have electric cars, but because, I, again, science <laughs> I am not skilled in, but basically, he made electric cars, like, a lot more possible and changed all these other things, um, and poor old Night Owl was like, oh, I'm retired to do this, and now everything's going to be electric, but he, um, 
he introduces all of this technology that helps the world, but it's also the very, he's the very thing that's going to end the world too, which I think is kind of what superheroes are. I mean, Avengers grapples with this a lot, how like they're saving people, but they also destroy people in, you know, the process of doing that, but also villains come after them because they see the Avengers and want to fight them anyway. So they introduce problems while they're, and that's simultaneously solving them. Yeah. That was kind of the main uh, idea at the heart of Man of Steel as well. Um, in 2013, was like, here's this all powerful being. Like he should be using his powers to save people, but like he also might wind up hurting people. He might put himself in danger doing that. And Kevin Costner tells him to let those kids drown in a bus. Um, <laughs> Good parenting, Kevin. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of the idea. And like, I actually really liked that for a standalone Superman movie. Like, it. I have the feeling that well, this is getting a little off topic. But Man of Steel was supposed to be to Superman what the Dark Knight trilogy was to Batman. But then they launched this entire DC extended universe off of that, and it just. It doesn't work. Wow. Is Man of Steel also sex? It is. Okay. It, well, he, kept, he kept failing upward. He had, yeah. he had 300 and then he went... He failed and then they gave him more money. Yeah, so he, he, did, he did Sucker Punch, which I guess is one of Oscar Isaac's first roles. Um, but he, he did Sucker we'll Punch. Some credit for that. And then he... But like... I won't, okay, I've only... I haven't watched Sucker Punch. I've only heard the How Did This Get Made episode about it. Um, so I guess that's coloring it. But he went, But by all accounts, like a lot of people I know really like Sucker Punch. But then he went and did 300, which was another graphic novel uh, adaptation, which was very popular. Um, and then he got Watchmen, and then a lot of people didn't like that. And he got... He must have gotten something else in between, but then he got Man of Steel... And then, even after people were like, uh, "I didn't really like that," he got the just he got Batman v Superman and Justice League, and it was just like, "How does he keep getting these? Like, how does this keep happening?" So, um, good heavens! Um, I think Courtney is right though with it having so much promise at the beginning. My favorite yeah. part that I thought was so well executed is the opening credits, where mm-hmm. it's Bob Dylan at. The times they're changing, kind of playing. And it covers, I mean, in the graphic novel, we were saying it's after each chapter, there's this little bit that's like supposed to be an excerpt from these fictional works, Mm -hmm. like about the Minutemen or about Watchmen or Dr. Manhattan's superpowers or those Mm -hmm. things. And it kind of tells that whole story that you would get from those texts in a couple of minutes over the mm-hmm. credits. And it and takes it's like montage. And it takes a lot of the exposition of the Minutemen yeah. and does it for... So like, you understood what the Minutemen were about without being like, and then there was Dollar Bill, or yeah. I, I have already forgotten. <laughs> like, I still have it open. Uh, there was Dollar Bill. Hooded yes. Justice. Yeah, then there was Captain Metropolis, and he did this. Like you can just like it just skips over a lot of that, and it's like that's a really neat filmmaking technique to be like mm-hmm. you don't you don't feel like you've lost stuff. You feel like you're in it, even though there's a lot deeper stuff. And like you were saying with like an adaptation, it cannot be word for word, panel for panel. It was a good way to kind of you, you know have have that stuff in there without having to slow things down. Right. I just I just wish I just wish that. Someone would write the ending of the movie for him. Yeah, he always his movies always start off real strong, and then it's like he loses interest. He's like, and then I mean, here's basically like. Well, we say they always start off strong, but like 
I have a sneaking suspicion that Man of Steel was mostly Christopher Nolan's creative team yeah. at the beginning, and then they were like, and they will just let Zack Snyder like put in his superhero like expertise. It's like, like, it's like how War- much could you screw it up at this point? Well, it's like Warner Brothers never learned from the from the early nineties, mm-hmm. like, and the seventies, eighties, and nineties. It was like. <laughs> It was like certain directors could do superheroes, and they were the superhero directors. Mm-hmm. So, like Richard Donner got to do like way too many Superman movies mm-hmm. um, because he was like the Superman guy. And Tim Burton did the first two Batman movies, and then they wanted him to come back, and he wouldn't. So they gave it to Joel Schumacher, and, um, <laughs> and it was like he was, the, he was the. And then Tim Burton got a Superman movie, and it was like, well, because Tim Burton's like the superhero guy. And it was just like, ugh, God. so like. Thank goodness that's not a thing anymore. I, gonna, I would love this a DC I, versus Marvel thing, well, but that's why I yeah. like Marvel. Is they're like, take it, take a movie. Well, now they <laughs> go do this interesting thing with it. Like now they are, but like in the mid two thousands and stuff like that, they had these guys yeah. who just like couldn't quite make it correctly. And even yeah, totally. even in phases one and two, they ran into a lot of director problems. I believe Patty Jenkins was supposed to do Thor: The Dark World and left for creative differences. And so it's I like, like that one against all my better judgment. <laughs> it would have been better with Patty Jenkins. It would have been but, much better with Patty Jenkins. But it's one of those things where it's like, well, Zack Snyder, he's a superhero guy. He could do this. And it's just mm-hmm. like, we moved past that. But he's not because every superhero movie he's had is terrible. I mean, so I haven't seen 300, but by all accounts, it's very good. That's also not a superhero like, movie. Well, it's a graphic novel, but it's the same kind of like, he's a graphic novel. He knows how to do those. And it's like, he does really cool visuals and like he adapts. It's fine. Screw him. And so it's like all that slow mo. Oh, so much slow mo. Dude, that movie is so that movie, that movie is two hours long without all that slow mo. Like, okay, we had to talk about hour. this. We had to talk about this because I was like, I love that first fight scene, and it was a lot of it because because of the use of slow mo. I was like, it was just so like fresh and unexpected, and like he would put slow mo in moments where like. Normally, slow-mo is reserved for, like, these really dramatic moments or moments, like, in the middle of a fight where you want to show something, like, character-y. Record but scratch. You can't yeah, do it. that's me. You're probably wondering <laughs> how I got <laughs> But, like, you know, things where, like, you want to show something happening with the character, but it's too, like, fast-paced to really show it without the slow-mo. That's, like, a standard use of slow-mo. So he was using yeah. it in all these places where you don't usually see it. And I was like, this is so cool. But it's only because he uses it everywhere. <laughs> he uses it everywhere. And then, like, in the It wasn't artistic. Movie, <laughs> it was just... Right, and then in the rest of the movie, there would just be like random, random bits of slow mo where I'm like, why, are, why, are, why is this in slow mo? Like, no. this isn't adding anything to the scene. It's just me longer. No. This movie's too long already. <laughs> now we're talking too much about the movie, but the casting is really good, and yeah, a lot of those people were wasted. Uh, Jackie uh, Earl Haley's Rorschach is amazing. Yes. Like, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And um, then, what's her face who plays uh, Lori, though? I was like, eh. Oh, Melon Ackerman. I mean, yeah. she'll always be that bee who tore up her mother's wedding dress in <laughs> 27 Dresses to me. But <laughs> Jeffrey D. Morgan, I think all so of my good. feelings about Negan just sort of came over into this character, which worked so perfectly. Yeah. So Negan I'm like, he is dead. not a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Not a hero, really. He didn't, well, you left out the worst thing he does in it, too. Oh, yeah. in Vietnam and gets this woman pregnant, pregnant, and then she's she, yeah. trying to be like, you need to stay and take care of this child. Then he murders her! Yeah. yeah. <sighs> he's messed up. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's a, a horrible guy. person. Yeah, he's a bad guy. And they, they cast him to be Batman's dad and Batman v Superman, just in case they ever wanted to use the Thomas Wayne Batman 
story arc because he's just crazy enough to do it. Um, yeah, the ca- the casting is really good, but like again, what are you supposed to do with like a lot? I even really like Patrick Wilson because like yeah. he's well, he's supposed to like <laughs> after the after the Keenan no, like. kind of is put in place, he's supposed to be kind of like, sort of happy that he's not doing it anymore, and he's kind of enjoying, like, not being a superhero, and, like, a little softer on the edges type of thing, and then, so I think Patrick Wilson's great for softer on the edges, to be honest, Um, but we were were gonna, we we brought this up at the beginning of the podcast, we wanted to say it, the movie really fails in in one spectacular way, and that is, and that is that... Doctor Manhattan's the only superpowered human person. Okay, yes, we were talking after we oh watched boy. the movie, <laughs> and I was so just like, "Oh yeah, all these superheroes." And Andrew was just like, "Oh, but only one of them has superpowers." And I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> you mean to tell me that when they're fighting and they slam the guy's head through the kit like the granite kitchen counter?" That they're not superpowered? <laughs> yeah, Are and, you like, and like the one guy, like he, like Matthew Good catches a bullet. And Patrick Wilson punches that dude's arm so hard that his bones pop out, and like, <laughs> it's just like what? She was like, she was like, they all have really similar superpowers. She's like, well, they don't have superpowers, so. <laughs> I was honestly just like full abrogation. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? And then I thought about it, and then I was like, well, that's classic Zack Snyder, isn't it? Just causing as much destruction as possible, <laughs> but it's completely unwarranted well, and unearned. And in in the graphic novel, at least, so the first kind of excerpt is from the first Night Owl, right? Mm-hmm. And he he's talking about, I guess, Hooded Justice was the first one, and he sees this n- not superhero. I, I, like, he's a superhero, but he doesn't have powers. And he's like, that's that's my calling in life. I'm going to follow his footsteps. And he's just this ordinary guy that's like, you know, kind of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man a little bit, yeah. but without the superpowers, you know? Like, yeah. I just I just want to help people, and yeah, I'm going to go out and do it. And mm-hmm. the gall to be like, yeah, I can just go and punch some people up, yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, it's kind yeah. of endearing. Some of them are, like, sweet and more on the cap, like, Captain yeah. America sure. side of it. And then yeah. you have Rorschach that's... Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that conversation that was almost word for word from the from the novel where the Silk Spectre and Night Owl are discussing that guy who would like who just wanted to, he wanted to be a supervillain <laughs> yeah. and she was like I punched him a couple of times and I was like wait does this guy have asthma and then Night Owl was like I just I just walked away from him and he kept yelling at me like I'm a supervillain fight me and then like what happened to him he's like oh Rorschach he did that to Rorschach and he dropped him down an elevator shaft and I was like oh jeez oh, <laughs> poor guy. And they laugh, and it's not that funny. <laughs> it's not that. A lot of discussion about what is and isn't a joke. Yeah, lots uh, of discussion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's the real joke. Uh, it's just like, okay. Practical <laughs> joke. Yeah. yeah. I get it. The comedian died. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did we explain though the smiley face yeah. is like the button that he yeah. always yeah, wore that falls yeah. off and it's got the blood dripping from when he dies. Yeah. And it's it pointed at off. like five minutes to midnight and the, like there's a lot of yeah. clock imagery about it approaching midnight and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So. Yep. Yeah. Woo! I think. Well, <laughs> the, so there were also there was also a prequel series which kind of went into individual. Um, like Ozymandias and all this kind of stuff, kind of letting filling out the series a little bit more. So for the upcoming Watchmen TV series, is going to be on HBO. Um, it exists in the same universe, but um, the creator Damon Lindelof 
um, of Lost and uh, Magic Blood. Oh no, that's Kirkman. Never mind. Sorry, I'm getting my guys I don't really care for mixed up. Um, <laughs> Damon Lindelof uh, uh, is saying that like the source material is going to be quote unquote remixed. So like they're gonna they're gonna tell a new story and like where this kind of where everything took place from the trailers it appears that there's a an army of Rorschachs called the Seventh Cavalry who probably have read Rorschach's journal and are like oh he was right Doctor Manhattan and Adrian V were a jerk it's and, all a big joke <laughs> oh boy <laughs> um, and so uh, um, oh shoot Scar Jeremy Irons is gonna be playing. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Irons is going to be playing an, an older Adrian Veet. Um, there's going to be a couple leftovers from the original. Um, uh, the former six, Silk Spectre, Dr. Manhattan, Ozymandias will be in it. Um, that was the only ones confirmed so far. Um, but, uh, yeah, it looks like it's in, a, it's in a time where cops are getting like assaulted and stuff, so cops wind up putting on masks in order to protect their identities from people mm. who would take it out on them. So, um, I'm kind of interested. It is a Lindelof thing, so there will probably be like a whole bunch of like, oh, what's that? That will never get resolved. <laughs> um, so, um, I guess. I yeah. Guess. So, I'm excited. Robert Redford's going to be president. Um, so, and he's actually going to be Robert Redford in it. As Robert Redford, the president. Oh, cool. So, I'm excited about Wait, that. Wait, I thought he retired. Um, I mean, as far as I can see, looking on here, it looks like he's going to be President Robert, Robert Redford as President Robert Redford. <laughs> so. Awesome. Hmm. Maybe he shot it before he retired? Maybe. He just made a big deal. I do Sundance every year, and he made a big deal of stepping down from Sundance and letting someone else take care of that, and mm. Old Man and the Gun was his last movie. And but then he was in Endgame. <laughs> yeah, that I figured they filmed before, though, because, I mean, post-production on that would take yeah. a lot longer than Old Man and the Gun. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They but... really had to put the shine on that gun. Um, <laughs> the titular gun. Um <clears throat> So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I just... Part of me just kind of wishes we would leave it alone. Yeah. Like, it's a fantastic graphic novel. Just let it be that. Like, just kind of let it be. Like... Expanding the universe is a better option, though. Than it's a better option than readapting it. Novel. Yeah. Because of how faithful the original the film was, like, is in terms of like dialogue and shots and all that kind of stuff. I, I honestly don't know how you would readapt it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, because <laughs> people just be like, oh, it's not, it's not as close, and it's like, well, yeah, but being as close as it was, it wasn't very good. It was very close, with the major exception of having. All the places that Dr. Manhattan and Adrian Veidt built reactors exploded, and everyone's like, duh, who could have done this? Like, that was one thing I didn't like about the adaptation like, that really stuck in my craw, <laughs> was that it was like, oh, I'm going to blow up all these places that had Veidt on them, and then I'm going to be like, oh, Dr. Manhattan did this. And it's like, <laughs> time out, there wouldn't even be an investigation into that? Like, Giant space squid makes way more sense, and I never thought I would say that. Otherwise, I like the idea of 
them trying to make Dr. Manhattan into the villain more yeah. than a random space script that I need to finish the novel. But like the whole point is like bring the world together and it's like if there's an alien force, like let's bring the world together versus yeah. like Dr. Manhattan, who as as far as I know is God, so could do anything he wants. Like how do you get the world together to protect against that? When they don't know, they don't even Especially know the extent of his he's powers. Been, if he's been built up as like America's doomsday weapon or whatever, I mean, wouldn't like the Soviet Union should be like, see, America's evil, and yeah. like, wouldn't that cause more problems? I would think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, I prefer fair. the alien invasion. Weird. <laughs> I prefer a big space squid to. <laughs> oh man, you know, everybody who had an iPhone in their pocket. Their phones exploded. Apple's going to take charge in making some new iPhones for all of us. Like, no one, everyone would be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> not even, we're not even going to look in the, okay, all right. So, like, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean, I was trying to wrap up, but then I didn't. <laughs> then you I had, had to complain about that. So, here's, so here's the question. Would you guys recommend, I mean, when we, we, I know we do this podcast so that people don't have to. Yeah. But would you recommend reading and would you recommend seeing the movie? I recommend reading. I haven't read it, so I don't know. Movie, I would say... I'd no. say skip it. Yeah. Reading it, definitely. But if you don't have time for that and want to watch this show, it seems wise to have some context for what Watchmen is. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and what if this that's is for. All your, yes, okay. In that case, yeah. You can just... You've listened to us and yeah. you don't need to watch the movie. Yeah. The fact that it's so faithful, it's like, nice to hit all the plot points and yeah. at least understand yeah. what's but happened. But, but it's a bit of a slog. Yeah. And it's if, too long. And if, if Zack Snyder isn't your so cup of tea, movies. you're not gonna like it. Like, yeah. if you didn't like Man of Steel or Batman v Superman, Ooh, you're not I gonna like it. I fell asleep in That being said, Steel and <laughs> if you do like Zack Snyder, way way if you do like Zack Snyder, this is like peak Zack if Snyder. You do, if you do like Zack Snyder, you've already seen it and probably have the happy face tattooed somewhere on you. So like, I'm sorry, that was a generalization. I'm sorry. As soon as I said it, I apologized. They have lasers for those if you need to get it removed. So I'm sorry. That's just maybe their tattoo is based on the graphic novel. Yeah, you just they're... really stand the original Watchmen. That's fine. Yeah, I mean that's a possibility, sure. But then I'm saying if you if you like Zack Snyder, then you've probably already seen it and have tattooed from the movie because people who are like I love Zack Snyder or probably aren't like Watchmen is a treasure and a fun and a wonderful <laughs> exploration of the American pathos for towards superhero like. I don't think that's a... That Venn diagram is probably two complete circles on either side. I apologize for generali- for generalizing. So, but that, that would be my guess. If you love the graphic novel and the adaptation, hit us up. Yeah, please. Please. I know that there's a podcast that I really like who thinks that the Watchmen movie isn't that bad. It's not that bad. Like, it's not we, that bad. We kind of, we've been kind of... Nah. Like, it's, it's fine. It, the thing is, it's just too long. Like, that's why I don't recommend it, is it's just too Here's long. It's not, like, outright bad, but it's not good either. So, you know, it straddles the line. You're, you're way better off, if you have the time and the patience and stuff, you're way better off reading it, because... Yeah, it's same, pretty quick, because it's a graphic novel. The, sa- yep. the same themes are tackled, but also in a much deeper way. So, yeah, that would be... If you, if you left this podcast wanting more Watchmen, <laughs> that's what I would say, is uh, read the original, don't see the film. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's going to be it for, it for us this time. Um, 
We are still running our Disney villain song bracket, so go and vote on that um, for one of our upcoming episodes. So, and then if you feel really strongly, mm. also make sure that you leave a comment because we're gonna we're gonna highlight some of our comments from users on our episodes, so you can get a shout out. So yeah, Hellfire! <laughs> yeah, you're, you're <laughs> cheer- cheering the song, not just like the general concept. <laughs> of oh of no! <laughs> I just want to throw out some. Some support for that. You already mentioned Scar. That's my other favorite. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us this time. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.